everyone welcome to another exciting edition of words images and worlds a middle grades literature loving edition talking with a person who's been teaching for 22 years uh, and quite a prolific writer the past few years as well and that is author jake burt may i call you jake is that all right jake's totally fine thanks Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for jumping in and joining and talking with me. Thank you also for the the lovely background um, highlighting probably my favorite book of yours, The Ghoul of Windy Down Vale. Um, and then I also enjoy, I, I always name a few titles. So uh, Cleo Parker, The Body Cleo Electric. Cleo Porter and The Body Electric. Yeah, Yes, absolutely. yes. Cleo Porter. Sorry. Sorry. Um, the Tornado. And then Greetings from Witness Protection, I think, was your debut. That was the debut, yeah, back in 2017. Yep, yeah. Um, and then in the past few years, since 2017, which feels like just a few years ago to me, um, you, you've, as I mentioned, been pretty prolific. So uh, a lot to appreciate and explore about your work. Yeah, there's five total book babies out there in the world floating mm -hmm. around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, of course, visit some of your favorites and some of the pieces that have come together and what's inspired you. But uh, curious about what's connected you to the written word, because um, you and I are, are both teachers. So, you know, the the journey of trying to find what connects people to writing and reading. So I'm curious about that for you. Yeah, the the. Um, career of being a children's book author was not a lifelong ambition of mine. Uh, I wrote my first novel um, kind of just because I I was bored. I took a year to, off to be a stay-at-home dad for my daughter when she was born. Um, and so that year out of the classroom, it was tremendously fulfilling, uh, you know, having this infant to, to take care of as a stay-at-home dad. But it it was also mind-numbingly boring at times. And so, you know, I started thinking about uh, a story idea. It was based off of my two younger brothers and I. My, I'm 45 and my brothers are 44 and 43. So we're all very close uh, in age. And, you know, growing up, we'd, you know, we were both best of friends and worst of enemies. And so I, I thought of this book idea. And because I had all this time on my hands, I went ahead and wrote it. And it ended up being a 584-page YA fantasy behemoth uh, that, uh, you might notice is not among my, uh, published novels. It likely never will be. It's not very good. Um, as most authors first stabs at this are. Um, and so, you know, I've thought about going back and revising that monster, uh, many, many times. And I always get so intimidated by that task that I end up just writing a brand new book instead. Uh, almost to procrastinate uh, from revising that one. But the act of doing that, I enjoyed so much, just the the creative act that I kept doing it. And eventually uh, I spent so much time, you know, uh, typing away at a computer that my wife said, if you're going to keep doing this, you darn well better try to get one published. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So th that began the author's journey. But I think my, my connection to storytelling really began with my dad. Uh, my dad, when I was very, very young, read us The Hobbit out loud, you know, uh, as as many uh, fathers of that generation did for their for their young sons. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he did all the voices and everything like that. <laughs> and he he had no problem with us stopping him mid narrative to ask him a bunch of questions. So my earliest 
memories of storytelling are as a way to connect, as a way to, you know, explore both fantasy worlds and the real world and get sort of instant gratification for that. Why is he doing that? Where are they going? My dad would always answer, sometimes in a weird voice, which just made it all the more engaging for me. And so because of him telling us that story and the way he did that, I storytelling became a part of my life, part of who I was. And going to through high school and college, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a historian. And that's the way I'm going to tell my story. So my undergraduate degree and my master's degree are in medieval and early modern English history and literature. Uh, I ended up not using those except in the tangential way we all use strange degrees like that through the ability to write and critically think. Um, But that eventually led to uh, hopefully uh, my ability to write at least backstories into my novels uh, because of the historical training. But that's sort of a circuitous route I took to storytelling and falling in love with the written word. Love it, love it, and I love the testament to your to your father as well as to reading aloud, and and even more so reading aloud in voices, as well, <laughs> so. which I did every single year of my teaching career. Yes, I, yes. The, my I'm well known for read aloud, even <laughs> when the kids didn't want me to be reading aloud. I still read aloud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Um. So you you have these stories that sort of take place in more grounded settings, like um, the tornado, which which is this great exploration of bullying and kind of issues among friends and school systems. Um, and then you also have stories that take place in more um, supernatural or uh, kind of outside of the grounded reality, like Cleo Porter, like Wendy Downville. Uh, so I'm curious about the kinds of stories that draw you in uh, and where you kind of hit that mark and, and find the most inspiration. Yeah. So my favorite genres to read in are fantasy and science fiction, always mm-hmm. have been. Uh, even when I was a kid, that those are the types of books that I would seek out. And so that, like I said, that very first novel that I tried was a YA fantasy novel, and and it it just it didn't come together well for me. It was all kinds of awkward. Some parts of it I still love, but then it took me a long time to build up the courage again to write that sort of genre fiction because all of the authors that I grew up reading and even authors today, I revere them almost like celebrities, like good Lord, look at the world you gave me and let me explore. <laughs> and that it, it's so humbling to, to think of that. It, it took me a while to build up the courage to say, yeah, I'm an author, but I could be that kind of author too. I could write a world that someone else can live in for a little while. <laughs> and But I wanted to do that right. And so it took me Greetings, Witness Protection, The Right Hook of Devon Velma and The Tornado, which, as you suggested, are all super grounded in their settings, real, realistic, contemporary settings. And then finally, I was able to branch out with Cleo Porter and The Body Electric, which is set 80 years in the future when a horrific pandemic has killed off most of the earth. And I wrote it two years before COVID hit. And then, of course, COVID comes along and makes my fantasy a reality and all kinds of uncomfortable ways. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the universe kind of punished me for that one. Uh, but but then The Ghoul of Windy Down Vale um, is fantasy uh, mm-hmm. in sort of in its 
in its trappings, even though uh, it's it's a kind of cheat in some ways. I don't want to spoil any parts of the book, yeah, but yeah. it's sort of a cheater's fantasy novel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it took me a while to to build off of the stories that I loved growing up and and give myself the permission to write those stories. But in just in terms of the through thread of all of my novels, um, I'm, I'm writing for kids. Uh, yep, I'm writing yep. middle grade fiction. And the stories I endeavor to tell are the ones where in which a kid is the hero because of the unique qualities of childhood. I, mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed novels, children's literature, uh, YA adult literature, where the main character is the main character because they're the chosen one. I am mm -hmm. an avowed Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. She is the chosen one. It says right in the in the opening scroll. Um, but there are attributes of childhood, whether it's something as as physical as a kid is small uh, and therefore can fit into spaces that other people can't fit, or something as ethereal as kids are boundlessly creative uh, or kids are not constrained by the bureaucracy same bureaucracy as adults they can they can be more adventurous because of that those unique qualities of childhood are the ones that allow them to be the hero yeah, yeah. those are the types of stories that i that i really like to tell love that and i love celebrating the the imagination the the creativity of, of young people uh, enjoyed that a lot, and the the cover of Windy Downvale, which I, I'm looking at right now, is just a, a beautiful, beautiful example. To yeah, yeah. Um, so curious about. Uh, I generally ask about interactions with young readers because I imagine you do school visits, um, online or in person, and and all of the things. And so I'm curious about uh, maybe a time that you've connected with a young reader in a way that was kind of surprising or unexpected. Yeah, I actually had one at one of my most recent events. I did the uh, Island Readers and Writers program up in Maine, in Bar Harbor, Maine, which if any authors are listening, it's a fantastic program. If they invite you up there, the island is beautiful. They do a wonderful job. They brought together all of the seventh graders uh, on the entire island and the entire island school district. And it wasn't just here you're all here now listen to jake burt they had stations and activities mm -hmm. for them all day um surrounding my first novel greetings from witness protection as sort of a through thread and uh one of the kids uh, after the event uh, came up and said um you know uh, mr burt this is just about the best book i've ever read about me and he, this was a seventh grade boy. Uh, uh -huh. You know, the main character of Greetings Witness Protection is Nikki Demir, a 13 year old girl uh, who um, has some some pretty out there adventures uh, along the way. Um, but what he was talking about, and he told me his story, is that he'd been in foster care just about his entire life. Uh -huh. And um, and he said that for him, the book really captured what it was like to to be a foster kid without dwelling on the notion of a foster kid as a victim. Mm, mm -hmm, it's just, mm -hmm. he felt that this was a hero who happened to be a foster kid and that spoke profoundly to him. And I, I was not a child of the foster care system. I have not fostered 
a child. Uh, so all of my research for that book came from speaking to uh, interviewees who were, were part of the foster care system, whether they were uh, foster parents or children in the foster care system. Um, and then also reading, uh, you know, blog entries of people who are in the who are in foster care uh, and then really trying to deal with that uh, as delicately but as truthfully as I possibly could. And so to have that guy was just true to his experience you know it's sort of like the uh to paraphrase that old adage you, you've met one foster kid you've met that one foster kid because their experiences are all different but for him it rang true and that meant the world to me uh, yeah. just just to know that i got that part right was it's not like a relief because i was trying very hard to do that but it's it was just uh it was profound for me mm. to hear him mm. tell his story and say, and and have my book do something for him. That's humbling, and I'm glad I was able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, and I've mentioned before on this uh, podcast, I love how books can talk across space and time. And so you can connect with an experience that's somewhere out there in a book and, and sort of know that, yeah, the, there are stories like this or related to this where – I can experience something that's that's similar to what I've lived through. So I uh, love that. Love that. Um, by means of a, a final official question, and then we can hit anything that we might have missed. Curious about the things that are currently circling your mind creatively. Um, anything that's in progress that you'd like to mention. And then uh, you also have a website, which I'll make sure to link with the description and in the video. Um, so curious about the spaces where people can follow along as well. Sure. Uh, so right now I'm working on uh, two different novels very slowly. Um, as you mentioned, I, I did this prolific thing where I tried to do a book a year and that, that worked pretty well. Uh, but I've since transitioned from the classroom into a new job. I now work for the Juice Learning. Uh, we are a current events uh, site for kids and classrooms. Um, mm -hmm. So basically we write the news every day uh, in 250 word articles uh, for classrooms and, and teachers and students. And then we take those articles and we level them for the different grade levels. Oh, um, but cool, as you can cool. imagine, that means that my day job has me writing a ton. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm churning out articles for this and then editing the articles of the other journalists that work on our team, uh, which means that by the time I've finished a work day, I've been staring at my computer screen and writing away for about six to eight hours yeah. every day, which then it, it, back when I was a teacher, I'd get home and I would have been teaching all day, which is the, the frenetic pacing of that. And then I'd be fine to sit at my computer for a couple of hours or, or I'd have the entire summer uh, to say, you know, now I'm going to write a novel and we'll get on that. And I mm -hmm. no longer have those things. And by the time I'm done with work, uh, I, I need to close my eyes for a half an hour, not just like, let alone look at a screen. So my own personal writing um, has kind of taken a back seat but thus far i'm okay with that because i'm still writing and i'm still writing for the audience that i love for kids mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
writing nonfiction, especially short form nonfiction, is an entirely different animal than writing a novel. Uh, and that's one of the things I had to learn. <laughs> I work with two very seasoned, experienced, excellent journalists on the team. You know, they've written for the Chicago Tribune and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Like they, these are these are heavy hitters in the journalism world. One of them wrote uh, the official biography of Barack Obama. Uh, and so, so I'm working with these guys. And my first couple of articles, which they get to edit, because we'll edit each other's stuff before it goes, before it publishes. And I'm constantly doing what's called burying the lead, which is taking the single most exciting, important detail of the article. And I'm putting it three or four paragraphs down because uh -huh. I want to build up to this narratively. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to give you like the little details and make you interested, which is exactly what novelist does. And they're like, Jake, th this is a news article. This is nonfiction. This goes in the lead. <laughs> you right. got to put this right up there. So I had to invert my storytelling model uh -huh. uh, to write these 250 word articles, and that's been that's been a bit of a learning curve. But I think I'm there now, and really enjoying it but that's if pe people want to read my most current stuff they'll have to go there uh to the juice learning and and read some of my articles there yeah, um yeah, but cool. the novels are coming along uh the the one i'm farthest along on haven't even finished the the draft of it yet so still drafting uh but its tentative title is the third wish and it is uh modern contemporary fantasy it's about uh it's it's a wishing novel, which is a well-known trope, but I'm playing with the trope because my main character is a kid who has already used up his three wishes. He had three mm -hmm. wishes. He used mm -hmm. them all up and he used them terribly. <laughs> uh, in fact, the third one, he deeply, deeply regrets. Uh, it was a wish made in the spur of a moment that caused his entire family to disappear. Oh, wow. He's yeah. alone in the world and he knows that the only thing that can bring his family back is if he tracks down another kid with wishes and convinces them to allow him to undo his third wish. Uh, so that's, that's the premise of that novel there. I'm still working on it, uh, having fun with it, but it's slow. And the other thing I'm working on very, very slowly, I don't know if these will ever hit bookshelves is a sequel to greetings from witness protection. Oh, great, great, great. Well, um, sending all the good creative vibes and and all of that because both of those sound really interesting um and and i mentioned that you have the website so uh i'll make sure to link that anything that we've missed that you want to make sure to share before we close out uh, something i often love doing uh is plugging some friends novels yes <laughs> just by all means it's just please just do. what i'm what i'm reading now uh, yes. the one that uh just hit my the top of my tbr pile that i've just started um is the fifth city spies book by james ponty uh, -huh. uh, um, uh -huh. he's a very good friend of mine uh in the writerly world and um it's mission manhattan uh but the city spies books are about a team of obviously spies, but they're all kids. Um, and I, how I mentioned that the unique facets of childhood are what allow these heroes to be heroes. He does that so well uh, in his novels. And so you get these, these kids who are uniquely talented and they've come together as a spy team. And this is their fifth adventure. I think it comes out February. Um, but uh, I figured I'd, I'd plug that one a little bit because I love it, his yeah. stuff and um, and kid, my students all loved his books as well. So there's a, a little plug, 
uh, plug for one of my friends. Love it. Love it. Well, well, Jake, thank you so much for the, the visit, the conversation, the work, and looking forward to all of the creating that is to come. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.